Alrighty, hi everybody, and uh, welcome to Kensida's first ever live webinar, supported by our good friends at COSIDA. My name is Jill Clark. I'm the president-elect of Kensida, and I'm the athletic communicate athletic communications coordinator. Sorry, at the University of Toronto. Our president Ben Matchett is coming from another meeting, and he'll be joining us soon. But to get things started, I'd like to introduce Connor Hood. Connor has been at the University of Alberta for the past five years, and he's currently Kansida's Canada West Rep. So without further ado, here is Connor Hood with today's topic of engaging alumni audiences. Thanks, Jill. Uh, first off, I just want to thank everyone for joining. I'm very surprised that we have 64 people. This is awesome. Um, <clears throat> I really want this to be very informal. Um, I'm just going to share some tips and tricks that have made us successful at the University of Alberta. Um, I want questions the whole time, comments. Uh, I think I had everybody muted to start, but if anybody has a question, feel free to just shoot it in the chat um, or start waving or start talking. I'll mostly just be presenting my screen, um, so I'm not sure who I'm going to be able to see. So maybe just Jill, if you see any questions, just wave and stop me and, and we can go from there. Um, <clears throat> I do also have on this call Tawana McLeod, who's our Associate Director of Advancement at the University. Um, so she might jump in for a little bit too to, to fill in a, any blanks that I, I may have had. Um, so it's not specifically engaging alumni audiences is what I want to talk about, but that's kind of the primary goal of one of these, uh, these marketing tips that we've developed over the last two years. Um, in essence, uh, we've created these team newsletters that we've shared with uh, all of our varsity, most of our varsity programs, and they've been a great way to engage not only our alumni, but also casual fans, donors, supporters, parents, current student athletes. Uh, and it's just one more tip that you can use to engage uh, that group, especially now during this down season. We started these two years ago um, when we obviously had games going on. Um, but now that we don't, we still want to share our content. We still want to be relevant. We still want people to remember us and not forget about us. Um, so we started really pumping up these team newsletters. Uh, and then I'll showcase some of the cool features that we have and then other um, kind of benefits that these newsletters have had uh, when it comes to team fundraising, events, engagement, and such. Uh, so I will share my screen. Oh, Jill, can you let me share my screen? Is there a way to, for me to do that? Okay, awesome. Um, before I really get into this too, I obviously understand how uh, busy the SID group is and how many things we have on our plates. Uh, one thing I remember from COSIDA in 2017, I think it was, um, one panel we went to, one of the SIDs talked about doing things more effectively and efficiently instead of doing as many things as we possibly can. And just one simple sentence that it gave me was, why do 15 things at an okay level when we could do 10 things at an above average level or an excellent level? So two years ago when we started this project of kind of team newsletters and alumni engagement, I sat down with some of my bosses and some of the people on our administrative staff and just went through everything on my to-do list. Every single thing as a sports information director, what did I do and what could I get rid of? And it was a fun practice that I think everyone should just do anyways. Um, but to be able to free yourself up and to understand kind of the value of uh, this engagement tool, I cut out game previews, I kind of game programs, I kind of switch some of my focus to this um, to take away some of the emphasis on just the X's and O's of Friday and Saturday nights. 
Um, so first off, admit, I will show you a handful of the team newsletters that I've created over the last couple of years. To do, so let's just pick one. Let's start with Air Soccer. I created this one a month ago. So I use a program called Campaign Monitor, and we have an agreement with the University of Alberta a partnership with them where we're able to use this platform and send um, newsletters to our alumni. And the cost for it is actually quite cheap. Um, when we partnered with Central, they were very keen on us as an athletic department uh, communicating with our, our alumni because our alumni as athletic alumni are much more engaged than just you know faculty of science, faculty of business. Um, so they were very happy that we were kind of soliciting to our um, alumni group looking for not necessarily donations, but just to get them more engaged with our programs. And that's kind of the key of this is it's more of a, can everybody see this pop-up that just came up? Which pop-up, Connor? The Bear Soccer one, can you see this? I see Golden Bear Soccer Insider. Yeah, okay, yeah. good. Um, so what we kind of call this is more of a soft ask. So it's not a, hey, you used to play for the Golden Bear soccer team, give us your money. This is more of a, hey, you used to play for us. We haven't seen you around in a while. What are you up to? Here's what's going on with our program, um, just to get them kind of caught up. So a lot of the stuff that we send in these newsletters is team updates from our coaches, especially now that we don't have games going on. Um, we don't have the ability to engage our alumni at events. So we need to be able to do that in a different way. And a lot of our followers don't know what's going on with our current program. And so having a coach update like this is just an easy way for the coach to share information on the program. Uh, how's the team doing? Um, we don't have people out and about because of COVID. So this is an easy one for our coach to sit down for 20 minutes, type this out, send it to me. Um, I put them on the website, especially these team updates, um, but I don't publicize them on social media, for example. If people happen to stumble upon them while they're flipping through our website, that's fine. Um, but it's a little bit more of an intimate um, reach out from our coach as opposed to just um, a blast on social media. And I find with these, I'll get into some of the numbers later, but I find with these um, newsletters to our followers and our alumni group, um, it's to a much more engaged audience than just social media. It's one more tool we can use um, to reach out to our followers. So I have, so I have team update is one that we have done a lot of. To do right here. Academic Call Canadians is an easy one that we have um, kind of publicized to all of our uh, different newsletters to all of our different teams. Again, super simple. Hey, did you know that your specific team had this many um, academic all Canadians? Recruits is a big one too, because of who, um, because without going to games, our coaches aren't interacting with people, our um, student athletes aren't interacting with people. You don't know who's coming to the program. You don't have the webcast to be able to promote who's next. So we've done this, for example, simple recruit story. And obviously every one of you would have new recruits coming into your program every week. So being able to publicize your new student athletes is always a, a great way to, to gain new followers, uh, to get more engagement. Um, another thing that we have done 
do admit. Sorry, Connor, the pop-up isn't showing. That's kind of what I figured. Can you go? Can you go to the? Can you go to the web browser view and open it up as a tab, maybe? Is that better? Yeah, we see that now. Okay, good. So again, quickly going over quick way to showcase some of the um, social media links that the teams have, and it's a quick way to just hey, by the way, follow us. Um, team update: Academic Call Canadians recruit. This is just an alumni story. Usually every newsletter we do, we'd like to feature um, what our alumni are doing, um, get to knows, where are they nows, how are our alumni um, impacting the community. Um, and then this is just a simple one. Obviously this, unlike social media where you know for sure that those people are the ones that are following you, um, our alumni database isn't 100% perfect. People move, people change email addresses, um, you know, people die. So we have to update, constantly update um, our databases so that as many of our followers um, receive our information as possible. And another thing that's um, maybe a bit of a hindrance with our, our system is that if someone, for example, played two years with their soccer and then they left but didn't graduate or they played, say, UBC for three years, came and played for us for one year, didn't graduate from the University of Alberta, they wouldn't be listed in our alumni database. So this, along with something I'll show a little bit later with our signups and our forms is one way we can try and get as many people to get our content uh, as possible. So I'll show a couple more examples. So this is a new one we did with Pandas Rugby. Click. And again, super simple graphics, super simple opening. Follow us on social media too. Um, one thing that I found that has been really successful with these is calling them insiders. Our alumni seem to like getting information kind of before everybody else. Um, it's not to say that I don't share this information on our social media accounts too, but I'd often share this information in our newsletters first. Our alumni, our followers, our fans kind of get that inside scoop. And then later on, I would share some of this stuff um, on social media. A great way to showcase some of the things that have already happened in the past uh, with some Canada West Hall of Fame information, Current player spotlights have been really great just to get our, our groups more engaged on who's actually on the team, who are they outside of just um, you know, a second year fly half on the rugby team, for example. Another great example is alumni spotlight. So Danielle is on our uh, alumni association. So it was good to kind of catch up with her. Uh, Allie, who was on this call, was kind of the one who, uh, who made this, this rugby one as a rugby alumni. Um, information on the alumni executive, what's going on, how do I get more engaged? And again, this is more just soft kind of engagement that we like to call it. Instead of us just blasting our alumni, hey, we're broke, we need your money. Hey, come to our event. Hey, come to our event. Hey, we need your money. Just an easy way for us to um, let people know what's going on with our program and so that when we do reach out with some fundraisers, um, activities for people to sign up for, um, it's not completely blind and out of the dark and out of nowhere that we're asking for their, um, for their support. Um, obviously this is mostly targeted towards our alumni because they're a very engaged and should be a very engaged audience, but we've opened it up to just casual fans that have wanted to receive these newsletters. Obviously your institutions, you'd be allowed to solicit to your alumni with newsletters. 
But to be able to do that to somebody who isn't your alumni, you need them to sign up for a form. For example, we've set up these forms on our website. Super simple way for Connor Hood, for example, I just love Golden Bears basketball and I want to know what's going on. I fill this in and I go on the back end of our website, get all that information and put it in our uh, email lists for those newsletters. The one thing that you would need to do though, if you were able, if you wanted to start this, uh, this project is you would need to use a program like a campaign monitor. There's MailChimp. There's quite a few different providers that do the same kind of thing. But the big one is that, uh, let's see here. That if anybody who's signed up alumni fans, coaches, whatever, they'd have to be able to unsubscribe, which is at the bottom here. So anybody who does get this and they don't want to get it anymore, um, has that option. So that goes along with um, Canadian anti-spam legislation that they're, they're able to do that. Um, one thing, and I've mentioned it quickly already, but with these email newsletters, our audience is a lot more engaged um, than social media. These are people that want information on our teams. They want to read more about it. Maybe they just want to quickly flip through a bear soccer newsletter for 10 minutes to get all their information. Maybe they want to sit there for an hour uh, and know what's going on with the program. So as I just flip through, I'll open the swimming one here. This was a good, the first one we did. So this one, for example, had some more asks to it. Again, head coach recruit update. We recently transitioned our swim program uh, with a new kind of model with a new head coach. So getting information uh, from them was key that we want to be able to tell our followers what's going on. And then this one, like I said, again, academic call Canadians is an easy, super easy one to, to publicize. We did have a couple team fundraisers in this. Um, so one thing that we found very successful with our programs is um, not necessarily 50-50 prize raffles, because those are, are a lot of work and don't have to bring in as much money as you'd like. But team silent auctions have been incredibly successful for us. And I think a large part of that is because our alumni are more engaged. They're obviously seeing some of the content on social media, but having another way to connect with them has really been beneficial. And I find that social media can be somewhat passive in the content that we share. We hope they stumble upon it. We hope they like it, share it, comment. Um, but there's no guarantee. Again, there's no guarantee they open the email, but uh, a little bit more of an engaged audience. So the program we have used is Bid Beacon for our uh, online silent auctions. Not super expensive, to want to correct me if I'm wrong, but the benefit of doing these online silent auctions, usually we do them for about a week. Uh, and obviously you can see we had this one that raised $6,000. Uh, our soccer team raised almost $11,000. Our volleyball team here raised $21,000 just from their silent auction. And our football team raised $26,000 just from um, virtual silent auctions. And obviously a lot of those asks are from the teams, the coaches, the alumni presidents, the student athletes are the ones that are going out in the community and getting those asks for, for gifts. Um, but being able to run those for your teams and having a place to do it, an online hub has been, has been super, super beneficial. Uh, I just want to make sure I'm not forgetting anything. Connor, we do have a question in the chat. Oh yeah. Um, how often are these sent out? Great question. So we started off this program hoping to do them once a month. Obviously that's a bit ambitious, especially for some of the bigger schools that have 
you know, 15, 20, 25, 30 programs. So we've kind of transitioned them more into quarterly emails and they've been a lot more successful, especially now, no season, not a ton going on, no events to publicize. Doing them quarterly has been really good. And there's obviously no shortage of student athletes or alumni. You can feature coaches, assistant coaches, um, you know, student kinesiologists, your varsity health staff that could be featured in these. Um, so usually once every three, four months has been kind of the, the gold line for, for sending these out. Awesome, and one more. Uh, what types of items are popular in the silent auction? Ooh, I'll flip through, let's see. I think I can still open. Connor, I, I can speak to that a little yeah, bit yeah, too. Yeah, sure, go for it. Um, things that are very popular is your uh, wine baskets, your alcohol baskets, um, sports memorabilia, um, things that uh, are ex experiential in maybe not trips right now that we haven't really uh, posted any of that kind of um, experience based ones, but uh, things like gift cards that include gift cards, baskets that include gift cards, things like that are, are very popular, but your, your, your wine and your booze tend to be the top sellers. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and, and unique things that you can't just go out and buy as well. So um, making the items feel and maybe are more valuable than, than what, um, you know, it would be like on paper if you could just go out and buy would be how I would approach approach it. We've also done um, actually the first time uh, we've done this in a in a silent auction. Uh, we did one for our, uh, we hosted a golf tournament uh, this past fall, and we did team experiences. So we sold um, experiences for when we get back to playing. Um, people can, uh, some of the packages included, uh, training sessions with the teams, uh, Connor, what else were there for the team experience things? Yeah. Some of them were kind of like individual sessions with our tennis program. Like you can purchase the silent auction item and you get two hours with our tennis coach. We had a lot of, you know, show up and kind of get the inside scoop on practice, sit on the bench for, for practice, engage with our coaches that way. Uh, and those are really popular. You get some team swipe too. So those were obviously something you don't have to pay for. You don't have to go to a sponsor for those. You could just go to your head coach and say, hey, let's, let's auction off a team experience. What do you have for, uh, for ideas? So those worked really well too. Uh, yeah. And the, and the pricing, the pricing I saw, sorry, Connor, I saw a question in the chat about pricing. Um, it depends on the size of auction that you want. And the size is defined as the number of items you are going to put in your auction, as well as how many guests you think were, are going to sign up to attend the virtual auction. So it all depends. Um, but I did put in the chat a link to the pricing. It is in us dollars, but at the end of the day, I think the most I've spent for a silent auction is about $250 because you can have add-ons if you feel like you need to add on more guests and things like that. Um, if you know you're going to be doing a lot of auctions, um, I actually have a, a contact with BidBeacon and they give me a little bit of a discount for, for buying multiple packages, uh, gal packages. So if anybody is interested, you can reach out to me and I can give you the name of their, um, of the contact that I use. And then one of the things I kind of wanted to showcase is you can see a quick snapshot here of how many people open our newsletters. Industry standard for newsletters, especially for kind of faculty university is 25 to 35%, uh, which is one of the reasons that I think our central advancement and alumni office was so keen to work with us on this 
is because our numbers absolutely shatter theirs. So any of our other faculties that send out information, if they get 30% open rate and 10% clicks, they're thrilled. And we're routinely getting 60, 70, 80% of our emails are being opened with 30 to 50% of those people clicking on some of our links. So even if they just happen to stumble through the email and read what's going on, that's great. Um, but most of them are going to our back to our website. They're clicking on the social media icons. They're being driven back to other ways that we can kind of share our content. Um, so for example, let's go to swimming. And one of the things, again, all of these providers do the same kind of thing, but they show a lot of really simple, quick data that you can get. So it shows what links that have been clicked. So it's an easy way for me to notice, okay, previews aren't working. Let's kind of take these out of the newsletters, but alumni features are really working. So I'm going to do more of that or team updates are doing really well, but the student athlete profiles aren't doing as well. So it's an easy way to just quickly look at the last three or four newsletters that you sent and see what content is working. Obviously you can see who's unsubscribed um, and see who's opened it. This one was opened by 52%. Uh, let's go back here. Doo -doo -doo. Let's go this one, volleyball, 58%. Again, way above industry standards for how many people are opening our, our newsletters and engaging with our content. And I've said it again, but again, we kind of just see these as soft asks, just a way to get people engaged with your program again before you go back to them and you know pitch some of the fundraising opportunities that you have. Obviously, we still need to, to raise funds. But I thought this is something that we have had success at um, at the university, so this one was open by 71%, so obviously doing quite well. Um, but I just wanted to share this as a way for you all to have a little bit more value and more things that you could do to enhance your athletic department. Um, so much of it is more than just, you know, game results, X's and O's, but what value does your athletic department bring to the community? What value does it bring back to the institution? And doing things like this that engage with kind of your fan bases um, have been really has been really successful for us. Um, one of the other things I wanted to showcase was sorry, yeah. Connor. While you're while you're yep. doing that, I did have another question come in uh, directly to me about uh, Bid Beacon. Go for it. So uh, it was about um, the payment processing in the back end. So Bid Beacon isn't the one that actually takes the payments for um, the the silent auction items. What you do is you set up um, a Stripe account or a Square account, uh, and the money goes straight into uh, into that. And so it doesn't go actually through Bid Beacon. And the nice thing about Bid Beacon is Bid Beacon doesn't take any service fee on top of what you pay up front uh, per transaction. So um, all it all it costs uh, is the per transaction fee uh, that Stripe or Square uh, would take. Um, and so that's been very beneficial, especially for our alumni associations who are using it because that's all it costs them. I pay uh, the upfront costs for Bid Beacon. Our alumni associations run um, the fundraiser and it goes straight into their, into their bank account. So hopefully that answers your question about that. Um, so one of the other opportunities that we've had, this goes back to one of the, the silent auctions that we had. Um, but we've kind of expanded on virtual galas over the last six to eight months. Uh, and one of them that did incredibly well was our Bears Volleyball um, virtual auction. Um, 
our men's hockey team is looking at doing a virtual auction and our men's football team also did a virtual auction in this in the fall and the two that we've done have been incredibly successful uh, our men's volleyball uh, virtual gala raised over thirty thousand dollars in total and i think our football one was uh, around seventy five thousand dollars that they raised um, so every year for example our men's volleyball team does a art gala obviously you can't do that with covid so we did a virtual art gala and all we did was had our uh, if anybody knows Terry Dan, like our, our general manager now of our men's volleyball program, uh, a very keen guy, and he was able to go out to our alumni community and our supporters and get uh, performances and interviews and information from all of our different notable people associated with our program. And all we did was we had some, um, let's see here if I can find it. Uh, we shot some stuff with our host and then we just put everything together and it wrapped up nicely in this one hour session. So what we did is we sold tickets uh, for this uh, and we just broadcasted it live on Facebook. Um, so we sold tickets, I think it was for $50. You got entered into a draw and you got access to the silent auction, you got access to this virtual gala. And so on top of the donations, the ticket cost in the silent auction is over $30,000 we raised in. Again, a lot of the work went to the team to get some of that content that we shared, but putting it together um, wasn't the biggest um, time consumer in the world and obviously it, it did incredibly well and our football one um, was very similar our coaches and staff reached out to you know notable, notable former players um, CFL athletes former coaches uh, to get content from them and it turned into a nice hour and a half evening they charged a little bit more for their um, for their virtual gala but it obviously did um, did quite well also what has been the number one click-through story item link? Um, our team updates from our coaches are usually the number one thing, even if it is just three or four paragraphs from, from the coach on how things are going. Um, those usually do really well. Student athlete um, stories usually do really well as well. Um, I'm trying to think of other things that have done well. Let me see if I can find another one here. Um, Easy alumni stories like this one. We've had some uh, alumni inducted into our sports wall of fame. Those stories did really well. And then one more thing too. I think there's a question here. Let's see. Chat. Absolutely. You should Jamie. Uh, let's see here. One other thing that has been really cool. And obviously this is something that would kind of overlap. Um, not necessarily with um, alumni, but just with um, your respective departments, has been using this system to share information from our varsity health staff. So we created a newsletter that just goes specifically to our current student athletes, all of our head coaches and assistant coaches, and all of our uh, admin staff. And it's just a newsletter from our varsity health staff on information that our student athletes and coaches would need screens that they need to do, virtual appointments, how they you know, report if they're feeling sick or feeling ill or if they've had COVID. Um, and obviously this is a different um, audience, but I wanted to share this too. And the numbers from these have been 80 to 90% of um, our athletes and coaches opening it, which has been a lot better than just your head varsity therapist sending an email to people hoping they read it. This way we can actually see who's opening it or any coaches unsubscribing We've had a few athletes unsubscribe, which has been kind of funny. Um, but just to see some of the, 
the data behind this has been super beneficial and I find it super easy to send an email on a Thursday, check back in on a Monday to see how it did. Um, usually within 24 hours, you have a good sense of, of how many people are opening it, sharing it, signing up. Connor, did you want to chat a little bit about um, where the email comes from and how you oh, yeah. can identify that? That's a good idea. So one of the things, and maybe I'll just make a mock one here so people can see. So one of the nice things about this is you can dictate who the email comes from and how it's sent. So for example, I'll say can side email. So you choose right here who you want it to come from. And for the team newsletters, we just have it written as Golden the team. So Golden Earth Hockey, for example. So that when people get it in their inbox, it's an email straight from the team. It's not an email from a person. But the nice thing is that the reply email can be anybody. And what we do is have the reply email being our head coach. So I do the work in the back end, work with the coach and or our alumni association president on kind of the content that they want to share, put it together and have the reply address be the head coach. And our head coaches have loved it because a lot of people reply directly to the head coach just with their thoughts, their comments. They want to chat. They love it. So it's just an easy way for uh, the people getting these to kind of connect again with our head coach more in, in an informal way. So that's been super beneficial. It's not coming from, you know, no reply at uAlberta.ca. It's coming, it looks like it's coming straight from the head coach and that's who the, the reply uh, email address would be. I don't think if there's anything else I'm forgetting. The big one too, again, I mentioned it, but these forms have been super helpful getting, obviously we've had, we have access to our alumni database who used to play for us, but getting fans, parents um, to sign up has been really nice. I send all of our newsletters to our alumni base, all of our coaches, all of our current student athletes and all of our current admin staff. So they get it um, as well. And our administrative staff has absolutely loved them because it's just an easy way to sit down for 10 minutes and, and get to know what's going on with each program. Tawana, is there anything else I'm forgetting? I just kind of wanted to, to give a quick run through. Um, I think you have a question from Angela in the box. Uh, she just says, are there any other schools disconnected with their alumni advancement departments? while people are maybe chiming in. Um, the thing with these newsletters is it's a very, we found it's a very, it's a very efficient way to get a lot of things done, a lot of boxes checked off um, in regards to not only what Connor is doing with his sports information, but also what I'm trying to do with alumni and donor engagement. So it's just a very good way to kind of uh, be comprehensive in checking off a lot of boxes in both of our, our portfolios. Um, for me, it has more to do with friend raising than fundraising. Um, we have to start crafting a journey for everyone. That means alumni, donors, friends, sponsors uh, that are connected with our program to predispose them to stay connected in a way that they want to advocate for us, engage with us, support with us, 
and to keep on doing so. And this, this method has proven for us to be um, an efficient way to do this. Um, I think it's brought, and Connor, maybe you can comment on uh, the, how you feel maybe closer to working with the coaches and the alumni presidents because you're using these newsletters. Yeah, absolutely. And it's nice to, obviously, as you said, to connect with those people. But I find that I was guilty of taking advantage of our events as a way to engage with this audience, where people would show up on a Friday night for a game, come watch and leave, and that was it. This is a way to get them more engaged in what's going on with the program and take away the need of the event. Obviously, we use this as a way to publicize our events that are happening, but some of our alumni don't uh, live in the city. We have followers and fans that, you know, watch on the webcast in Winnipeg, for example, and they're not able to come to our events, but they still want to be able to uh, connect with our team. And then it's, um, it's been nice to show this information to our coaches too, so that they appreciate and understand how important that alumni donor supporter base is to their respective programs. Uh, good question from Marty. Obviously, during the season, as you would all know, our coaches can be hard to work with. Um, so a lot of it during the season kind of goes to, we have a lot of assistant coaches um, that help out with this, our alumni associations. And then I'm creating content on a weekly basis anyway. I'm writing interesting stories that I, that I want to do that I then include in a newsletter as well. This isn't just content I'm creating um, completely separately. Um, so it ties in nicely with um, what I'm doing on a week to week basis during the season. And that kind of hopefully answers Ben's question too. And then this was one thing I kind of mentioned it at the start, but um, when I looked through everything that I did on a day to day basis, I found that creating content for these was a lot more beneficial than writing six 500 word game previews every single week and producing 15,000 programs and spending $20,000 on game programs. Um, so instead of doing those, you know, team X is playing team B, come watch athlete A play well, this kind of content, the team updates, student athlete profiles, alumni features, um, we're just getting a lot more engagement than those, those previews. So it was a, a good exercise for me to look through everything that I did on a day-to-day -day basis and kind of sit down and think, I don't need to do this anymore. I could do this instead. I don't need to do this anymore. I can do this instead. Yeah, and, and just to piggyback off that, Connor, as well, and I see a lot of people in the chat about relationships with their advancement office, whether it be central or in their faculty or unit that they're, that they're in. Um, for me, this is a perfect tool that I can use to leverage the power of athletics and the athletics voice and the athletics story because then I can go to our advancement office or senior admin and actually have some concrete evidence to say, this is how we're connecting. This is how effective it is. This is what they want to hear. This is the power of, of, of our voice, not just always. And all of us know the importance of an, of university sport within your institution and what that means and what that does. And we can talk about it all we want, but senior staff and advancement staff in central look for metrics and they look for the return on investment. So, when Connor and I sat down um, and we started working together, it was, okay, what is going to bring the most value, not only to return to the teams, but also for us to go to central admin and start building those bridges in, in hopefully down the road, getting resources. And, and we have, we have been very successful now to have a piece of information to start 
um, talking to them about, which in return has been able to give us some more resources that they have right at their disposal. So I don't want this to seem like this is also like a grand pooba. You need to do this, but I found this is one marketing tool that has been successful for us. Same as, you know, we're putting in a lot of resources into social media. We're still handling traditional media, the website, um, on campus engagement. This is just one more tool that we can use to uh, engage with a different audience. Um, especially, and maybe Tawana could talk about this too, but a lot of the alumni and the people that give back to us are kind of that older generation. They're not the recent alumni that might be following us on social media. A little bit older, they're more established, they have some money to give back. They might not be the ones that are following us on social media. So it's just a different way to connect with those people. Yeah, I mean, you guys would know, know best in this group, uh, but the research that I've done, um, you know, email is still alive and well and thriving. It's one of the first things we check when we get up in the morning. Uh, it's not, it's not quote unquote, a, a dead fish in, in terms of the communication world. And so, um, yeah, I, I fully wholeheartedly believe that this has probably been one of the top three initiatives that we have started and done in terms of alumni and donor engagement. A good question from Kate. Um, usually once an email, once every other email, uh, we include some sort of a fundraiser or uh, an ask. Usually our standard one that we like to include in most of our emails is our support the sport program, which I'm sure most of you would have at your respective institutions, adopt an athlete, uh, how you raise funds for your individual programs. Usually that's a standard one that we include. Uh, hey, by the way, did you know you can support an athlete by giving back here? Here's where your money goes. Here's why it's beneficial. And then usually we include, uh, obviously if there's any team fundraisers, but I'd say once, once every newsletter, once every other newsletter, there's some sort of a, not an ask, but just uh, a fundraiser that's going on. And I usually don't like it to be the top thing in a newsletter. I usually like to have it second or third so that when they do open it, Again, it's not an ask right away. Hey, by the way, we need your money. It's, hey, did you know this is going on with our program? Here's a cool story on this student athlete that you might not have known. Oh, and, and by the way, we're doing this, this silent auction. And, and that uh, doesn't also necessarily mean that we haven't done campaign-specific fundraisers through email appeals. Um, we have worked with our central advancement office to do specific uh, uh, appeals using email to our athletic alumni. And so that is separate projects that we do. But because we do this, we are more aware that when they receive that direct ask, um, they would be probably more inclined to open it and make an action on it because we've been communicating with them uh, prior to that. So. Anybody have any more questions? Feel free to unmute yourself too if you have any questions that you want to chat about. Connor, I'm just wondering, have you ever used this as a way to find missing alumni? We've tried to. Um, a lot of that goes back to our coaches because as I've said, like our contact information isn't perfect. So a lot of times we're kind of relying on word of mouth for a group of alumni to get this newsletter, chat about it, and then a section from that same year, for example, didn't get it and they're asking why they didn't get it. Um, so kind of that word of mouth, well, hey, by the way, you didn't get your newsletter, I'll fill in this form to update your email. Um, not a perfect system, um, but that's just kind of how we, we do it. And then in the, one of those emails, I think that our soccer one, we had that little bar for um, 
update your contact information so that we have kind of the newest um, way to reach you. And then separately, we have some projects going um, both internally and specifically with teams to help track down um, lost or missing alumni information. So it's kind of a separate project outside of uh, the newsletters. Yeah, because that's, you know, our biggest challenge is, is we have glaring holes in, in alumni groups that have no connection to the current leadership of that program. So it becomes how do you, how do you find avenues to increase that uh, or fill in those holes? Yeah, and maybe this is something we can, Connor can talk to you about in another, another session, the process in which we've, we've done with our coaches and trying to track down those, uh, those missing people. Also, it just depends on the database that your university has, right? And, and how much information, identifiable uh, information they have on your athletic alumni too. So um, yeah, so it, it can certainly be a challenge, but we have put in some, some projects in place that have been working fairly well, but it's always gonna be a constant ongoing thing. And that's why the newsletters is a good piece because you can add that in as a reminder for people to keep updating their information. Uh, good question from Jordan. So we partnered with our university on this software called Campaign Monitor. Uh, and because we partnered with them, uh, some of our costs are reduced. Uh, I forget the total cost, but I think last year for all of our newsletters to send these to people, I think it cost us like $900. So the cost for sharing these newsletters was, was really pennies. Um, but there's so many different uh, platforms that you could use. We used to use Constant Contact and Campaigner. Uh, there's MailChimp, there's Campaign Monitor. There's five or six different um, softwares that you could use. And this would be a good way to reach out to some people that are centrally in your university to see how are they communicating with their alumni from different faculties? Can you partner with them? Um, what software are they using? So it'd be a good way to kind of connect with them and see, uh, see what they're doing. Sorry, just a, a question. So the newsletters are, uh targeted to specific teams, right? They're, do you ever send it like there's a general to all alumni? Yeah, we do. We find that they're not as opened as the team specific ones. People are obviously more engaged with the program that they played for. Um, but often we do have, you know, all encompassing golf tournaments or information that we share to the alumni group. Um, let's see if I can find one actually. Share this. So for example, we had, do we sent this to all of our alumni. Let's open this one. And this was just information that we had regarding our move, um, our structure move within um, the University of Alberta. And the numbers obviously weren't as great. I think only 35% of all of our alumni opened this one. That's, so that's more industry standard when we send to the larger audience. And then let's open another one here. Back in the summer, we had a golf tournament. So for example, uh, let's see this one, golf tournament. Again, this one went to everybody uh, a little bit more, but still um, our team specific ones do quite a bit better than just all encompassing. Connor, also if I can add, the nice thing about these newsletters is that they are shareable right and so we do encourage our alumni associations or however you guys are structured with your alumni groups uh, to share it with uh, through their social media platforms and and in their circles and it's just a really great way to extend the reach beyond just the the um, context that you have in your database so 
question from Kay. Golf tournaments outside of auctions, virtual 50-50, any other successful event-based fundraising concepts? Um, we've had a few of our programs do smaller uh, sales. So our Pandas Volleyball, our women's volleyball team, for example, uh, was doing a flower sale. We've done that a couple times that have been fairly successful. Uh, they have a coffee sale going on right now. Um, but the bigger ones are the golf tournaments, the silent auctions do really well. The 50-50s haven't been great, to be completely honest, with how our gaming and liquor committee is set up uh, in Alberta. It's tough to raise a lot of money uh, from a virtual 50-50, especially as a smaller kind of organization. We're not Hockey Canada making millions. Uh, so those have kind of been the bigger ones. Uh, virtual galas, like I said, the, the two or three that we've done have been pretty successful. Um, and we've made it engaging, so it's not just, you know, log into a Zoom and watch people talk. It's performances and interviews and things that are a little bit more interesting. And I guess one more, too. I don't know what people are doing for Shoot for the Cure, but I just found out yesterday our team is doing a, um, a fundraising walk. So the distance from here to where Nationals would have been is 3,200 kilometers. So our team over a week is going to try and walk that uh, 3,200 kilometers collectively and, and raise some money for Shoot the Cure that way. And uh, Connor, if I can just jump in for two seconds on Shoot for the Cure since you mentioned it. Um, yeah, I actually just got this morning uh, from Coach Speedy a detailed list of what a number of uh, your institutions are doing with respect to Shoot for the Cure in terms of uh, virtual um, initiatives. So uh, that will be included in our announcement that's slated to hopefully go out sometime early next week. There, there will be a summary as to uh, what, what those different initiatives are, but there's a lot of different ideas like that in terms of uh, virtual stuff. I've seen other ideas like like uh, different raffles and um, yeah raffles and and rewatch of games and um, other virtual kind of skills competitions and stuff like that. So uh, there'll be a full list in there. Question from Angela. Um, we don't connect with um, centrally when we send our our emails. They're very comfortable with us sending as many newsletters as we want. Um, because I showcase our numbers are way better than theirs uh, and us getting that engagement and getting those fundraising dollars is a benefit to the entire university. So the, centrally, they have no issues with us sending, um, honestly, as many emails and newsletters as we want. Jim, uh, virtual galas, they were all pre-recorded, uh, but we broadcasted them as if they were live. Um, so we set up Wirecast through Facebook and streamed it as if it was live, but it wasn't. We had it pre-taped. Um, Honor, some we, of the football, sorry to interrupt, some of the football yeah. ones were actually live as well. So there was a combination of pre-recorded and then they cut to their live host from the dressing room. And I would say doing it pre-recorded works quite a bit better because then you don't have to worry about um, the issues that go along with live webcasting as you would all would know. So the pre-recorded, obviously it wasn't as off the cuff, but it worked really well. Anything else, any other questions? I hope this was beneficial to you, to everybody too. I hope you're able to kind of learn something from, from what we're doing and maybe you're able to take it back to your institutions and, and kind of build off something, something like this. Ben, do you Thank want to you. talk at all? Yeah, sure. Um, thanks, Connor. And if there aren't any more questions, I'll just kind of wrap up. 
a little bit here for our uh, our first webinar. I really appreciate, obviously, Connor, all the work that uh, that you did to put into this. Um, Seventy people showing up, I think, is a is awesome for our first one. So really um, appreciate all of you taking the time. Um, our goal is to provide these um, monthly, at least through the spring. We'll probably take a, a little bit of a break in the summer, um, but through the spring monthly. Um, just a chance for us to kind of get together again and then learn from each other. So if you have ideas of, of topics that would be of benefit to you, um, please feel free to reach out to, to myself or, or Connor or anyone else, your, your um, regional rep on the CanSide executive, um, and, and let us know if there's anything that, uh, that you do have that would be of interest. The next one we're, we're going to do is uh, scheduled for February 25th, that's a Thursday. Um, same time, it'll be uh, 2 p.m. Eastern. Um, Matthew from Laval is going to uh, lead that one, and I believe that one's on um, on COVID-related or content generation in COVID times. So um, things that uh, that Laval has done to kind of pivot their content generation through uh, um, through this pandemic that we're all working through. So. Um, Feel free to reach out again anytime if you have any questions. Really appreciate you all being with us and uh, hope you have a wonderful weekend. Yeah, thanks everyone. And if anyone has any questions or want to chat, feel free to shoot me or Tawana a note and happy to help more. Thank you, everybody.